And our time has come to jump into the Word of God. And so I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of James. And we have come to the end of James today. It's sort of a sad thought in my mind, but every good thing has to come to an end, right? And what's been fascinating about the book of James is we're coming to the, the very end and last statement of James. And what he does here is he's going to bring everything into context because the entire book has been about the struggles of life, hasn't it? It's been about our struggles with showing partiality, our, our struggles with temptation, our, our struggles and trials that come from God, our, our struggles in the way that we use our mouths and speak to one another, our trials and, and conflict. And how many of you have felt some of those trials and can associate with some of those trials of James? Everyone? <laughs> They've, they've all hit us at different places and different times in history and different aspects. But what James is going to come to at the end of the letter here is he's going to say all these, all these struggles that you've been experiencing, everything you've went through, he said, this is the most important thing you can do. When those trials come, when the hardships come in your life, even when the good things come in your life, the first thing you need to do is go to God. And, and this is what James is going to teach us this morning. He's going to say this. He says, is anyone among you suffering? What are you supposed to do? Pray. pray. Is anyone cheerful? What are you supposed to do? Sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? What are you supposed to do? Call the elders and pray. And, and what James is doing is he's setting this preface. He's saying that everything you're going through in life, whether you went through a, a difficult time of, of suffering and trials and hardship, or whether you come to a morning like this where we get to celebrate what God is doing and, and enjoy the presence of one another, whether you're going through sickness and trials, James says the first and foremost thing you should do in every aspect of life is come before God in prayer. That's the first and foremost thing. So when things are going well, pray Thanksgiving. When you're suffering, pray for God to sustain you through trials. When you're sick, pray for God's healing and restoration in your life. This is the heart of what's going on. And, and what is happening is God is inviting us to come into His presence, whether we're suffering or whether we're joyous. And prayer becomes this amazing resource in our life because, because so often in life, what is happening when we suffer or when we go through hard things is we, we tend to think like this. We, we tend to have the mentality, life is really difficult right now. Is God really in control? I'm going through this sickness and suffering. Does, does God really care about my life? Maybe God doesn't have power. Maybe God doesn't have control. Maybe God isn't with me in difficulty. Maybe God doesn't actually care about me. And what James is saying is what prayer is going to bring you back to every time is it's going to remind you that God is in control 
It's going to remind you that God is sovereign over all things. It's going to remind you that God actually has power to work here and now. It's going to remind you that God loves you and cares for you, and He has actually formulated these very tangible things in your life to show you that care, to show you that love. And so prayer is this posture that we continually have before God to experience Him and experience His care in our life. And James is saying this should be the first and foremost thing you talk about. Now, we all have a relationship in our life, a person that we go to whenever you have good news or whenever you have bad news. Who's the first person can you think of that you go to in life? Who is that person? For me, it's Rebecca. When I need to vent sometimes, I go to my wife, which isn't always good, right? When there's good news to tell her, I go to my wife, and I just let her share in what's going on in my life, and there's this intimacy that comes from it. And and James is saying, you know what? There, There should be a relationship with God where all your joys and all your struggles, that should be your deepest point of intimacy. That should be the greatest intimacy in a relationship that you could ever fathom or experience. He's saying this is what it means to to come before God first. Now, what's interesting is is Hayden preached a a sermon last summer, um, and we were going through our seven churches in Revelation. And we were looking at the church in Ephesus, and the church in Ephesus lost something. Does anyone remember what they lost? Their first love, right? And that was the challenge of the church in Ephesus. They lost their first love. And and what James is doing is reminding us, he's saying, you need to recapture that first love. You need to recapture God's center in your life. You need to recapture that everything that you go through in life, God should be intimately involved and surrounded in those circumstances. And so that's what it means that James is talking about. Go to God in everything, suffering, rejoicing, sickness, God first. God shares that intimacy because He truly cares for us. Now, here's what God has done tangibly to actually make His care and concern known to His people. He says this, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for who? Let him call for the elders, the the overseers. We, We call that a board leadership here, the overseers of the church, and let them pray over anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so what James, first of all, sets up is this concept that God cares about you. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your trials. He cares about your sickness. And it's not just some um, care that has no tangible reality. There's actually resources that God has put in the church to alleviate some of that. And so the first resource that James says God has given us as a church for people going through struggles is the church leadership. These are the people that that care about you, that oversee you in a a way that wants to see you loved and cared for and nurtured and discipled, and and that's really our heart as a board as well, is every second um, meeting in our month, we, we talk about vision and then we pray for people, and that's our goal. 
And so I want every one of you in this room to know that you are prayed for, you are loved, you are, you are constantly talked about, and, and we have a deep concern for you as well. And so James says this is the first resource that God has given is the leadership of the church praying over people. Then he says this is how they pray over people. What, what do they do? They pray over him and anoint with oil, Right? And this is the concept when, when someone comes to the leadership of the church and they say, I'm sick, I, I, need, I need God to release this sickness from me, or I'm praying for God to heal me. Well, there's this example that James gives of anointing with oil. Now, is there any power in the oil of itself? What's going on here? It's not some magical oil that you can buy in an infomercial. I'm sure you've probably seen that on some infomercials before where people are trying to sell oils and special things. I know there's some uh, random guy in the States who's getting sued because he was selling this oil that was supposed to cure coronavirus. And uh, like, those are the pastors you don't want to listen to, okay? That's what you want to stay away from. But, but it's this concept of, of oil represents the care and healing touch of God right? It represents the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so it's this physical, tangible reminder that God cares for us. Now, here's the beautiful thing. James gives us this resource to show love, to show oversight, to show God's care in the church, but he also gives another oversight. And this is what James says. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And so we pray for sick people to be healed, don't we? Amen to that. We long for people to get healed. That's part of what it means to be kingdom citizens is know that God has the power here and now to heal, doesn't he? Right? We believe that. But does that mean that God is always going to heal here and now when we pray for it? No, it's not like a, a little slot machine where you can put your money in and pull it and then God magically heals everyone. No, but here's, here's the prayer of faith. We can pray for healing. Know that God will bring healing here and now or He will bring healing ultimately for eternity, right? And even Rob was mentioning this in his story that if, if he dies, guess the reality. That's complete healing in the presence of God. All, all the struggles and trials of this life are over because there's complete healing in the kingdom of God. And, and so it's this, this basis of, as James says, and the Lord will raise him up. We know the reality of resurrection. We know that death, we know that sickness, we know that Satan has no power over us because Jesus is raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. And so then he goes on, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There's salvation there. God has made a way for us to be forgiven. Now, here's the other resource. There's the oversight of church leadership. But James says this culture of care and concern for each other doesn't end there. He says, therefore, confess your sins to who? Confess your sins to one another. And do what for another? And pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so what James is is teaching here now is there's this culture mentality in the church that it must not just be oversight of leadership showing care and compassion for one another. Who's responsible for care and compassion for one another here? It's everyone. We're all equipped. We, we all have a role and responsibility to one another to be praying, to be supporting, to be encouraging, to be loving, to do all these things. And, and so this, this is something that comes at us and confronts us a little bit. Because we live in a culture that's completely individualistic, right? Do you guys know what I mean when I say that? We mean we live individual lives. We don't share our struggles. We don't share our hardship. We don't share our trials. I have to act like my life is together. Who felt like they had to act like their life was together when they showed up this morning? (laughs) A few of you. Hopefully we get to the point where none of you feel like that anymore, right? Where this can be a community where you don't have to put on a face, you don't have to put on a facade, you don't have to act like you're somewhere you're not or be someone you're not or be a place where you're not. But rather, James says, we can be vulnerable. We can be authentic with one another. We can do all these things. Why? Because we're praying for one another. We're confessing sin to one another. And that is where God works. That is where the power of God, that is where the prayers of a righteous person has great power. Amen? Who wants to experience the power of God working, right? This is where it comes from, the power of God working in those contexts. And so a a question that confronts us even more is this question of, well, who truly knows you in life? Who have you been completely open and authentic with? Uh, Who is that resource in your life Um, that you can share anything with and be open with and be vulnerable with and have them build into your life and speak the gospel into your life. Because, Because Jesus makes this very clear. Christianity is not an individualistic sport. (laughs) This is a team sport we are part of, and this is a team game. This is us working together as a community, supporting one another as a community. That's what we are called to. Now, Here's what James says next. He says, you want to pray and have the experience of the power of God? Well, here's some encouragement that James gives us. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Who here knows who Elijah is? He's one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He has some of the most profound and wild stories of seeing God's power in the Old Testament. And one of the examples that James gives is that he prayed fervently that it might not rain. He prayed for a drought upon the land as judgment. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Powerful. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Who who was praying for rain today? I'm sure a bunch of us were, right? As much as we would have loved to be outside, it's good to be here with rain, especially when so much of our province and even BC is on fire right now. But here's here's what James is getting at. It says, Elijah experienced the power of God in these profound ways. 
He prayed in these ways of bold prayers, these prayers that seemed like they would be impossible to answer, and yet God worked His power mightily through Elijah. And yet, who was Elijah? We may elevate him some super prophet. I mean, he even had his own prophetical school. But in reality, what does James says? Elijah was just a person, just like you. He was just another human. There's no secret magical power behind what he did. It's, it's simply faith and trusting in God and the prayers of a righteous person. And so James is saying that must be our posture in life, that when we pray with this expectation, we, we pray knowing the power of God, even as ordinary people. And then James closes by saying this. He says, my brothers, the church, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And this is the last statement of James. Now, why would James close like this? Well, as James has been talking about all the struggles of life, all the different temptations that come at us, all the different trials that we face, all the various ways that we fail in life, James is saying what he as a pastor has seen is that it's so easy for people to slowly wander away. Where a temptation comes and it's not as dramatic as we think of someone just outright rejecting Jesus, but it becomes gradual. And soon they're falling into temptation, and that temptation leads them away from Jesus. Or, or they're going through a trial, and that trial discourages them to the point where they lose faith and trust in God. Or, or they come to the point where their, their anger has overtaken them to an extent where they only think of themselves and what they want and their perspectives, and they move away from focusing on God. And James comes to the end of the letter and he says, I have seen this way too many times as a pastor. People gradually walking away from the faith. But James says, here's the calling of the church. If you care about one another, if you care about not just the physical, circumstantial needs of people, but their deepest need, their spiritual need, then you're going to want to draw them back in a relationship. And that's the calling that he has for the church. That is the calling that he has placed before his people. And so, here's how James finishes. Now, I want to shorten up here because I want us to do something. James calls us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so what we're going to enter into a time now is, is we're just going to enter into a time of community care. Uh, we're going to start with communion, and communion is going to be an opportunity to confess your sins. This, this is what James brings before us. What, what's one of the qualifications? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And this is a time where we're going to enter in communion. I'm going to invite you just to spend time in confession. Examine your life before God. Ask God to reveal sin in your life. Confess it before God, and if you're in a group that you feel comfortable with, you can confess it with them as well. 
But after communion, what I want us to do is we're simply just going to break into small groups and we're going to pray for each other. You can share something that's on your heart, a trial that you've been going through, whatever it may be, but we're going to pray for each other. And I'm also going to have myself and a couple board members if they want to join me, and I'll have some oil up here too if someone wants to get prayed for for healing. If you're going through sickness or it's any type of healing, whether even it's not a physical healing, maybe it's a mental healing or an emotional healing that needs to take place, I'm going to be up here with oil ready to administer it. And so I'm going to invite you just to, to bow your heads here and now. And this is going to be a time of confession. And, and I'm going to invite uh, Mark and Helmet to come up, and they're going to distribute the, the elements. And we're just going to leave this time and space for you to pray, confess your sins before God. And then after we partake communion, I'm going to get us together in groups. So... I invite you to bow your heads and come before God during this time. Gracious Father, we come before you. And Lord, we celebrate the reality that you are a God who hears our prayers. You are a God who cares for us. You are a God who is with us. Lord, in all the hardships and struggles in this life, we can come to you. In all the joys and celebrations, we can celebrate what you have done and pray in thanksgiving. Lord, in all of life, you are our God. Lord, we thank you that we can come together in the gift of community to share one another's burdens, to pray for one another in the power of faith, and to know that you are a God who is working and moving among us, and that your love is shown to each and every one of us through one another. Lord, we celebrate what you are doing in the midst of hardships. We celebrate the many ways that we can rejoice the good that you have brought into our lives and the gifts you have brought into our lives. And Lord, we just pray that no matter what the season, no matter what we are going through, that we would come before you in desperation as created beings needing our creator, as relational beings needing a relationship with our God. We thank you for providing those things and answering our prayers today. We rise together to worship you. Thank you, God. Amen.